However, uh, she did get her master's in criminal justice from John Jay College. And according to the Post, uh, she she's a, a brunette beauty. Yeah, I, I Googled her. A, I would, a brunette would say beauty. that's a generous definition of the term beauty. <laughs> and she's got crazy eyes. Oh, well, there you go. You know, you know. That you get my vote on that. From the smallest room in New York City comes the show that gives you a reason to live. A devastating Arctic blast left a 77-year-old man dead on the Coney Island boardwalk. Said his widow to the post, I told him don't go, it's too cold. But he still went to Chinatown. The man ventured out, braving the coldest, meanest New York City winter weather in years. Feels like minus eight. Three degrees, you lean into that hard wind, searing your flesh through all your layers. Collapsed, his body lay frozen right there. Frozen in the birthplace of the hot dog. Ironic testament to the fatal extremes a man will go to to get away from his wife. New York City has cooled off considerably. Cold, colder than the crowd at the 6 p.m. show at the Ramada Conference Center in Jacksonville. Along with the plunge in temperatures, a plunge in the rate if murders a citywide slowdown in a snow globe town, bubble enclosed in a glycol drift, 8.4 million walkers, 12 days, zero bodies, a new record, the murderless city streak ended Saturday in Queens. A 28-year-old Eric Roman murdered, shot in the head. Well, from New York City Crime Report, way to go, Eric. Joining me now, friend of the show, trusted advisor, and fellow practitioner of Santeria, criminal defense attorney Jim Polk. Hello. You know, Jim, uh, experts say when it's cold, people stay home. That makes sense. Yes, yes. And they don't kill or get killed quite as much. I guess instead of killing, they figure stay home, spend some time with the family, maybe just plot a murder. Yeah, I mean, that's the planning stage. And when the cold weather chases your balls into the recesses of your abdomen, well... Rape isn't a piece of cake either. It was a slow week for me, too. Every time it gets cold, uh, criminal defense attorneys, I don't get the arraignment calls near as much. Really? Yeah, it's, it is. I think it's a direct correlation. Crime takes a little break. You know, I, I, by the way, I didn't mean to... I don't want you to misunderstand. It's never easy, I think, to rape a person. I don't think it's... Or a dog, or a chimp, any living thing. I mean, forcing yeah. a thing to have sex with you, something that's resisting, It's. I would imagine it, it's hard. It's not only physically, but in terms of, like maintaining your erection which is psychologically Absolutely. you know and if she's screaming and flailing and trying to get away yeah, rape can really be murder plus i also think that uh you know it's the the scratching and the slapping and the kicking is going to hurt more in the cold weather i mean you've certainly had that you know hmm. incident where you banged your hand outside in the freezing cold it hurts twice as much as if it would there you know i remember my dad always was working on a engine Mm-hmm. And I was working on the engines of some kind. I'd have to help him. And, I'd, you know, freaking screwdriver freezing in your hand and you drop it, bang your knuckles. It's three times as painful. So That's yeah, why I dads do. are pissed off all the time, I think, you know, especially when they're working on cars. What's well, a testimony to what a man will do to get away from his wife? You know, though, sometimes uh, rape can be so easy, as in the case of an NYPD sergeant accused of having sex with his girlfriend's teenage daughter. Ew. Yeah, see, that's that's why you don't want to date a single mom. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and you know it's one of those things. Once you're started on that, you're not gonna just do it. It's not a one and done. Yeah, right. She's I mean, around all the time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's. You're gonna keep fucking her until it, someone walks in. Yeah, and and I mean, and she's got blackmail 
forever. Yeah. You might as well just get her credit card in your name. Yeah, until, yeah, exactly. She's going to tell on you or someone's going to find out. And the, Well, this went on for a year and a half. Yeah. Yes, it was a long form rape. You know, uh, and, and, and he was in a relationship with a girl that he was dating all the while. The mother and the daughter raping the daughter. Now, here's my question. Uh, what is it? Is this one big, long rape, or is this a <laughs> bunch of little rapes? I believe it's going to be kind of a combination under the indictment. There will probably be the actual incidents they think they can prove, which will be a bunch of little rapes. Uh-huh. And then they'll probably charge it as some overarching endangering or, or pattern of sexual conduct. Uh, that'll, that'll be the massive rape, if so, you will. So he's going to be charged with big rape. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be, it's, yeah, the little ones make up the big. Oh, I see. You, like, build one big rape out of a bunch of little rapes. Yeah, yeah. And then if one rape falls apart, does the whole thing collapse? Um, no. So <laughs> That's going to be his real problem. A strong uh, rape found, uh, foundation. I mean, the only the, the defense he's going to have on this case is there's probably a lack of physical evidence, and you're going to have to find a motive for the girl to make this up. But uh, if the jury believes her, there's not a lot you can say because you can't even give the it's consensual defense because she's 14 and you were dating her mom, so you probably know she's 14. I mean, there's not even nullification in this one. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, you can't. Unless uh, a mom was like also like for some reason claiming the daughter was older. That seems unlikely, doesn't it? Yeah. No, most likely they were doing some babysitting that got out of hand. Uh, well, you wonder who could do such a thing. I'll tell you who. Kroll, that's who. 37-year-old Vladimir Kroll. Uh, by virtue of his name, presumed evil. Yeah, that is a creepy name. Mm-hmm. The Post write-up notes that uh, Kroll and the mother have since split. <laughs> uh, you must be working it out with the daughter. Yeah, yeah, that's that's still up in the air there. Yeah, you know, you, ne- you never blame a victim, but I'll tell you one person who's blaming the victim. The victim's mom. <laughs> Don't you think? Yeah, this is going to make for some really awkward Thanksgivings in the future. <laughs> I mean... You remember that time you broke up my relationship by having sex with my boyfriend? Right. I mean, I hate to blame the victim here, (laughs) but uh, that's that's a double standard. Only one person gets to do that. You know, the girl says it started uh, September 2013. That was the same year he was promoted to sergeant. And uh, and then it continued through last Sunday when she reported it. You know? I like this one because it doesn't sound like it was non-consensual. It was a statutory issue, which I always like that better because then I find it's easier for me to laugh at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can always laugh at a rape, but th- th- this one, it's easier. Well, I mean, you know, I, I, the details of a rape, you mean the, 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 there's always seems to be uh, some kind of a funny factor in it somewhere. And if there's not, then then you, you know, whatever happens. But, you know, bit. I mean, like, you know, the, the, the hooker raped by the clown mask guy. Obviously, the clown mask part is very funny, but it's just it's not good for that to happen. It's an awful thing. And, you know, you think about the, the nature. Part that, but- the part that she's a hooker, maybe. Maybe does that make it a little more that, 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 funny? I don't like that because it's like when you're a hooker, you're kind of already at rock bottom. Mm-hmm. I mean, not if you're, you know, Elliot Spitzer's hooker, but if you're the hooker that's going to an apartment in, you know, the crappy part of Bed-Stuy, yes. Mm-hmm. And you're already kind of at your lowest. Then you get raped by it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that, that doesn't, that, that is funny, but it doesn't quite make me chortle out loud like you know this guy's daughter breaking up their relationship no i can see what you mean you know and and if this uh and, and if this cop would have worn an it mask then you know it would have then been, it would have been perfect yeah uh <laughs> it's a 23 year age gap um he joined the force in 2004 when the girl was three just to give you an idea of some of yeah, the numbers yeah. and he's uh by the way assigned to the midtown 
North Precinct, and he was arrested Tuesday afternoon. Oh, it says here, he's been charged with big rape and a bunch of little rapes. That's what I, I didn't even read down in the article. <laughs> okay, well, there was the answer to the question. He's been charged with rape, criminal sex act, sexual misconduct, endangering where welfare of a child, forcible touching, and sex misconduct, which is listed as different from sexual misconduct. Is there is that just a misprint? Sexual misconduct is usually an individual incident. Sex misconduct is a pattern of behavior. Ah, there's the big one and the little one. And he's suspended without pay. Well, we why can't we all be cops with live-in girlfriends? I always hate, though, when people do that, uh, you know, when she was three, he joined the force. Well, what I just said, yeah. you hate that? Why? No, I do. I was, I, it's cause, well, because I realized just now, as you said it, and now is when I'm going to start to hate it, is, is that when I was uh, graduating law school, my wife was still in high school. Well, that's hot, right? There's nothing wrong. <laughs> There's other. She's of age, you know. She's yeah, fine. yeah. And uh, I mean, not then, but I didn't know her then. Exactly. I've had some age differences before. Didn't yeah. work out for me. We we uh, you know, an early round American Idol contestant been accused of attempted rape. It's Yoji Papasano, who claimed to be the Japanese king of pop, allegedly sexually assaulted a female friend in her bedroom. So he's doing a good job of living up to the king of pop title. (laughs) Well, uh, I I suppose in terms of like there was some sort of sexual misconduct. But aren't we all really, Jim? I suppose. But sources say he tossed her on the bed, pinned her down with with an R. (laughs) With an arm and tried to (laughs) rape her. Uh, She says that when uh, she pleaded with him to stop because he was, quote, hurting her, he got cold feet. I wonder if it's possible that, like, he didn't know he was hurting her until she said, you're hurting me. And then he stopped instead of getting cold feet. Cold feet's a a funny thing to call not raping somebody. Well, it's really a, I mean, really accomplishes nothing. That's what you do when you don't get married, you know. Right, yeah. You're at the altar, you get cold feet. Yeah, no, it's... It's it's, it's a funny way to put that. Being interesting, I mean, there is a theory in the law called abandonment. What's that? Crime. Abandonment you, of a crime? Yeah, I, I, I don't think this would apply, but it's... it's well, what uh, is abandonment? Abandonment is, for example, you know, you and I um, decide to rob a liquor store, but when we actually go in, I, I can't do it, and I, I run off. And in New York, you actually have to require you do you take some affirmative steps to um, prevent the crime from happening. Oh, right. But, um, affirmative meaning something other than, hey, don't do it. Yeah, yeah, you'd have to probably, like, try to call the police or something like that. Is it there? It's, I've never seen it actually put forth, but it still exists. So, there, no, so this, so he would have to take an affirmative action, like, uh, like, like, handcuff himself to the Yeah, radiator. well, that's just it. I don't really know what you could do. That's why I don't think it technically applies, but it'd be an interesting theory to put forth. Uh, moreover, as you could say, I think the best defense here would probably be what you said, like, oh, I didn't know I was hurting her. No, I and mean, I backed off the minute I thought I found out I was. You know, I should be an attorney. You, you would be, you would be, uh, just yeah. based on the stuff I read in the in the paper. That I that's that's excellent. Yeah. Uh, his attorney Stephen McCarthy said, "I I ex- I expect 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 him to be fairly treated." Well, <laughs> I expect in one hand and shit in the other. That right? is the most uh, bland, pointless statement you could have ever made. Yeah, it's uh, that I, makes me think that no, that won't be the defense. <laughs> I wonder. He, it says he was arrested and charged with attempted rape and attempted sexual abuse. Uh, and oh, by the way, if you're trying to figure out who this guy was, he had a viral video. Uh, he uh, was singing Miley Cyrus "Party in the USA," and uh, went viral during the early par- parts of rounds of the show. I guess is around 2011. I don't know if you recall that or not. I don't uh, yeah, keep up I, with these I things. Wouldn't yeah, I haven't seen so every American year. There's Idol. they're like somebody who really sucks, and then they they try to like uh, yeah, like, they hype them, and yeah, and it's it's. Uh, 
It's not really the most original format anymore. Mm. In Flushing, Queens, a building security camera caught a pizza delivery guy urinating on the elevator. Well, you don't expect this kind of thing in Flushing. (laughs) (laughs) Good night, everybody. Uh, Good. Law enforcement was uh, unable to do anything, unfortunately. Uh, The building manager decided to show footage to Pix11. That's the local uh, news yep. channel. And one look at this video, Pix11 was prepared to take action. That's probably the name of the segment. Yeah. Prepared to take action. Problem solvers investigate. <laughs> not sure if this made national news. Uh, uh, you might not have seen this one. Pix11 asked around to find which neighbor ordered food. That was uh, the first. Oh, video. some pretty good investigatory uh, abilities I'm there. I'm pointing at my forehead right now. Yep, yep. Yeah, we got delivery that night around that time. And from where, uh, that's what they wanted to know. Now, this, this uh, led them to Coppola's, where they confronted the manager and the delivery guy. They go right there to him because they see, you know, they see the video. There we go. They, that couple is they find out where they, they got the food from. The delivery guy was named Vinny, which is an excellent name for a guy who delivers pizza and pisses in your elevator. <laughs> <laughs> Vinny, the pissing delivery guy. Uh, he goes, uh, he goes. And by the way, he's right to the front of the elevator, too. I would go to the corner. You know what I mean? I would go to the back corner. This guy goes right by the door. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh Although I guess I don't know, it's gonna drain probably when the door opens. There's that crack if the elevator's tilted it all forward. Maybe he's being a, he's being considerate. All right, he's being he's a considerate public urinator in the elevator. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like pissing an elevator really probably starts to stink. But they I saw the interview with, on the video, and, and like by the way, you can see that on our face on the Facebook page, New York City Crime Report, with Pat Dixon on Facebook uh, for videos and articles, all the things that are related to the stories. Now uh, he he they interview him and he goes, well. Uh, they go, would you like somebody pissing in your elevator? And he's like, I don't live in a building with an elevator. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Obviously, you know what I mean? Come on. <laughs> I'm delivering food, you jerk off. I live in a walk-up. It's, uh, it, it, they, they make the guy apologize. How do you also, I mean, this is this is also kind of stupidity on his own part. You know, I mean, it's it's not like an elevator's an, you know, a place that they hide a camera. I mean, you had to know there was a camera in there when you did that. Maybe that's why he chose that particular one. Yeah, maybe it's his thing, but, I mean, it just seems to me... I mean, I do kind of feel sorry for the livery guys because, you know, it's they're the ones that are out there, you know, delivering to my house at, in the three-degree weather. I bet you the last time he was there, he was like, hey, can I use your bathroom? And they're like, fuck, no. Yeah, as I would be, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't just invite people into your home. Next thing you know, they're raping you while you're asleep. Right. It happens. Uh, while uh, he... Do you hear those? Like, I do. It's the sound of New York happening. That's right. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I always tip well too, especially this time of year. You know, it's oh, I, so, yeah, me too. It's so, uh, it's so awful out there. Statistical data on the city's authorized drivers. A data scientist compiled statistics uh, to find out, you know, what's who, who are driving the cabs. Well, the most popular first name among all the cab drivers is fifty-two thousand one hundred and thirty-one cab drivers. According to a recent article in yellowcabnyctaxi.com, the four most common names uh, of NYC taxi drivers are Muhammad. Shocking. It's the four most common names are all Muhammad. The, the top four slots are... Sl- the, the alternate spellings of Muhammad are higher than all other names. Three times. I, uh, there you go. They're all right at the top. Uh, and, and it's uh, and the next one's Dave, right? <laughs> and then the next three also Muhammad. <laughs> uh, no, they're all. It's only the top four. Um, it's got to be the most common name worldwide, right? I would 
I'd say it's a safe guess that it would be the most common name worldwide. Well, well it's certainly up there. And Although, who knows? I mean, you know, China has one-seventh of the world's population. It could be a Chinese name that's just not familiar to us, but well, it sounds like Mohammed would be a likely. Nor will it ever be. City Council Speaker Melissa Mark Viverito announced a proposal calling for expanding the use of summonses and desk appearance tickets instead of locking up New Yorkers for certain nonviolent offenses, such as fair beating. You know, I, I beat the fair... I, one time I got a, a ticket for that. I didn't go to jail. Did you really? Yeah. I, I, yeah, you know why? Because they were. I, w- I had a long travel day, and uh, they were cleaning in there, and they had the door open. Yeah. They were hosing it off and everything, and I just like, well, I'll just walk through here. Oh, I thought that was like, I thought you were allowed to then. <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> I just did. Yeah, That's I what that. I thought. Yeah. And I, that's what I said. I thought, I thought you could. And, they, and the cop, they had two cops standing there just like, yeah, you did this. So. Yeah, because they know every sucker like us is going to do it. <laughs> so if you see that going on, don't fall for, don't fall for it. I love I love this one is like she thinks that they should expect listen I think everybody's pretty much in agreement here Melissa it doesn't seem like a, a tough one to come up with you know well they people over that nonsense well they want to have you know uh they, the cops want to have what do you call like uh the, the discretion you know police commissioner Bill Bratton said officers already used discretion in how to handle certain minor offenses a significant number of people who get stopped for fair invasion evasion I guess is what he means get a summons or a desk appearance ticket so yes. it's it's they only do that if you're but like then if you he, go through and you look like a, a criminal, you know. Well, what they do then is he goes on to basically stay, but yeah, we like to use it to extort information out of people. Yes, that's exactly what he says. The very next line, I, I like that. So it's basically, if we think you might know anything about a crime, you're our man. They want to question you, and they do, and, and they and uh, they never get anything out of those guys because anybody knows you're not going to jail forever in a day for fair beating. And well, I mean, they don't use it as leverage, but they... No, they clearly are... They, they, basically what he said he does. Wait, they know about other crimes. I mean, why couldn't somebody you're just giving a ticket know about other crimes if they're going to just volunteer that information? No, they have to actually haul them down and threaten to incarcerate them. Yeah, but once you're... the implication. And once you're sitting there with cops, like, asking you questions, sometimes, you know, if you're like, well, I don't really have anything mm-hmm. to do with this crime, I'll throw this guy. You know, who knows? But yeah. I, I, apparently they, they consider it a, a law enforcement tool and, and they want to keep it. Now, as details emerge uh, from the car crash that killed Bob Simons, uh, the focus is on the driver of the Lincoln Town Car that was carrying him on the West Side Highway at the time of the crash. We all have Bob Simon's dead now. Uh, crash on the West Side Highway, and uh, the the driver, 44 year old Abdul Rashad Fadahi, his driver's license has been uh, suspended, according to the Post, nine times. Uh, nine times. That's Although mine's, I mean, you know, it is, except for it's so very easy to get a suspension in New York. Plus, one suspension in New York can actually result in two suspensions individually. Ah. So it's it's a bit of a... I mean, I've had my license suspended technically twice on the same ticket. Well, how many reporters have you killed? Me? Uh, you know, I... How many mistakes have been besides made? Besides that, <laughs> he... Uh, uh, he he was um nine times had his license been suspended, but I think it was for unpaid fines. I think a lot that's, of that's I mean that's what you most people get their license suspended for. But we you but lose a ticket, you forget about it. We also like find that. found out more that he actually has a dead arm. He, they say he lost the use yeah. of his left arm after he jumped from a Brooklyn building in a suicide attempt about a decade ago. He has a messed up arm. One arm doesn't move at all. He does everything with one arm. Said Louise Mendez, the thirty one. He lives in the same shelter. Lives in the same shelter. Shelter. 
guy yeah. lives in a shelter. Yeah, there's a lot of throwaway uh, lines in this article <laughs> that uh, kind of raise some eyebrows. So newsman Bob Simon's car was being driven by a one-armed novice cab driver whose regular driver's license has been... See, that was it. He was not even a driver for very long. And pe- weren't other drivers warning people about him? They said, look, he, he was getting bad Yelp reviews, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Etc. Yeah. But anyway, now I'll, we also have but Brian really Williams. you really got to be pissed to do that. Brian Williams also claimed he was killed on a West Side Highway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trying to get some good will back. Now, how are you pronouncing this milk carton kid's name? Eaton uh, Pates is what I have. Eton Potts is Eton what I've been saying. Potts. Yeah. Well, the original milk carton kid, Eton Potts, disappeared May of 1979 on his first solo trip walking to school. It was yeah, reminiscent of uh, the Levy Aaron murder. Uh, what was that kid's name? Libby Klatsky. Uh, he was apparently yes. murdered, and, and he was legally declared dead in 2001. Well, the case was reopened in 2010, and then in April 2012, the FBI, uh, they excavated a basement near the Paz residence. And, and found nothing. They didn't find anything. Uh, but that year, Pedro Hernandez told the cops uh, he confessed. He, he is what he told them. He told them that he lured the kid into the basement of a bodega where he worked. He strangled him. And he put him in a box, put him in the trash. And we have a, a, a clip of that right here. What do you think? It's eerie, right? Yeah, I mean, it's... it's. Something just took over me, and I just choked him. When I was choking him, he was going... Yeah, it's a strange that, that high pitched voice. We have an we we have an, another clip here of of uh, as the as the confession continues, and uh, let me just roll this. So what, what's your general feeling on, on the sound of his voice? Okay. He's a very soft-spoken. Yeah, he is. And they're very compassionate when they interview him, which is actually very common when you have somebody who's really willing to volunteer information. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, okay. Um, you'll see the police get very polite about things. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, I, now... Now, wait, wait, before we continue, just, just we have one more clip here where he's, uh, he's clearly leaving uh, at this point. Well, I think that says it all. Now, uh, he was uh, charged now with uh, an indicted uh, second-degree murder and first-degree kidnapping. So he's a better kidnapper than he is a murderer. Well, first-degree murder is very hard to get to in New York. Really? Yeah, most of what we think of as murder intent and murder in the first degree in most states is actually a second-degree murder in New York. Oh, okay. New York, you need an extra aggravating factor other than the intent. I always wondered about that. Yeah. Well, the word uh, for him is uh, is mental deficient now. I think he's some sort of mental deficient. I, which actually rings a little true to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was very willing to confess on this particular case, and he's done so repeatedly. And I believe in the past, people didn't even believe. I'm very fascinated by this case. Yeah, they didn't believe him. Uh, and and well, there's, a, there's a whole thing behind that. Uh, you know, and, and he could be mentally deficient in some way. The words for mental deficiency have changed, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. After a, a childhood spent hearing Mo Howard call his two best friends imbeciles, <laughs> I was so excited to learn that imbecile, it's a, it was a scientific term at the yes. time. 
it's uh, an an imbecile was what science at the time called someone who's who's uh, their cognitive functions were on a pretty low uh, part of the mentally disabled scale, and it was fascinating to me. And then right away you find out there are other words too, you know, that have passed into common usage. They used to be real scientific terms. Uh, specifically, okay, just real quick, those those who have an IQ between zero and twenty five are idiots. IQs of 26 to 49 are considered imbeciles. Those who have an IQ uh, from 50 to 69 uh, considered morons. So imbecile was about the lowest level of intelligence you could ascribe to someone and still be realistic. Like an idiot uh, is. I mean, really, is like twenty a screaming banshee of stupid. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's like does like their functions even work on their body? I mean, that seems like one to twenty five is just almost inconceivable. That's yeah, that's idiot. Yeah. Yeah, and an imbecile though is is twenty five to fifty. Twenty six to forty nine. Yes. Yeah, that's. I mean, that seems exceptionally low too. That's yeah. That's what I say. That's uh, you know. You could maybe still form words. You know. uh, Yeah. You could maybe uh, slap somebody or (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could collapse and 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 run around on your shoulder. Possibly eat. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. You could do those things. Uh, But uh, yeah, an idiot is just someone who's uh, yeah. You're right. It's way down. That's someone who chases his tail. Yeah. That's when that guy walks into the room like chimps make eye contact (laughs) (laughs) the degree of comedic exaggeration in the word imbecile was is so perfect uh that it had to be abandoned by science and scientific terms cannot also be hilarious i think that's what it is so moron imbecile idiot they disappear from science along with some other words people by the way okay just to continue the people with iqs from 70 to 84 uh were uh up until the early 60s considered dipshits and they've, that's obviously passed out of usage in that's, science. Is that true? Yeah. It, now it's called borderline mental disability. And now uh, one with an IQ of 85 to 114, that's designated average intelligence. Science uh, referred to as your typical jackass. <laughs> and that's no longer scientific. The IQ is 115 to 129. That's above average. They were called by scientists. Fine, but you'll never be one of us. <laughs> it's cumbersome. You know, retarded is falling out of favor now. Yeah, retarded is like a racial slur now. Yeah, it seems a yeah. little extreme, doesn't it? Because we, we always said retarded. Or we would say, we would say retard, mm-hmm. you know? And that, and they, I remember they were like, well, and then retard, you had to skip, you know, just to say, well, now you can't even say retarded. I think it's because of retard. Retard made retarded unacceptable. But they have to keep changing the terms. Because whatever the whatever the word for really stupid is, and I know I'm belaboring the point, but whatever the word for really stupid is, is obviously going to be fun. Well, yeah, because whatever becomes that word mm-hmm. suddenly becomes the nomenclature of humor. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's just it's. I mean, I love the way words evolve, or, or or what's appropriate evolves over time too. I mean, you know, my grandmother talked about growing up when she first moved from Ireland. She lived in the South, um, you know, and she said they called all black people coloreds. Mm-hmm. That was the appropriate term when you didn't use. There's no the, idea how relieved I am right now, by the way. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> colors when the inappropriate. But then she said, then the appropriate term was Negro, uh-huh. then black, right. then African American. And somebody recently explained to me the other day, you're supposed to say person of color, which I thought, well, that's really not that different. Now we've come full circle. <laughs> yeah, to a colored person. But Don't call me colored. It's person of color. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just it's it's so. I mean, it, it's it's interesting to watch how those things evolve. But yeah, I, this is. It has to be imbecile strictly, strictly is, yeah. a language issue. Now, and one thirty to one forty four is moderately gifted. Now, if you, and here's the weird thing: if you're moderately gifted, you're only twice as smart <laughs> as a borderline retard. <laughs> yes, uh, but we, I do also have to say this: I love that the average range is eighty five to one fourteen. 
Mm-hmm. That's a very wide range. I mean, I, I guarantee you the guy whose IQ is 86 versus the guy who's 113, there's a vast difference between. <laughs> I mean, let's be frank. Yeah, yeah, and that and that accounts for most of the differences you see in day-to-day life. Yeah. Well, last, last year, a series of hearings was meant to determine if borderline retired Pedro Hernandez's statements prior to hearing his Miranda rights were admissible. He's actually a borderline moron yeah. uh, by the old uh, term. Now, without these statements, there's really not much of a case no, there's almost nothing. Mm-hmm. Just confessing to a crime isn't enough. I understand you need evidence. Yeah, you need you need a corroboration. You can't rely entirely on the defendant's own statement, which is a very odd rule, but is true in New York. I guess it makes sense because like people tell you all kinds of things, to, or they'll try to uh, get somebody else off or something. Right. In 2012, Hernandez confessed to luring the little boy into the bodega's basement next to the school bus stop, strangling him, stuffing his still-breathing body in a box, and then discarding him uh, with the trash a few blocks away. He since recanted. His lawyers have argued that that, uh, the authorities coaxed the admission from him, as you said. He's a mentally troubled man with an IQ bordering on retardation. Now, this is a gigantic case. It's huge. It's One of a the case biggest, that's, yeah. that's uh, the, the original milk carton kid, as we said. This, this, uh, it sort of changed time. And the way this is, if it wasn't for this uh, stranger danger, is, this is where this came from. Yeah. It sort of gave birth to that whole kind of like movement. Highlights from the trial so far of Pedro Hernandez. This is the guy who confessed, the guy who uh, worked at the bodega. The defense moved for a mistrial when Hernandez's brother in law, who got on the job, uh, was uh, declared a hostile witness. That was Juan uh, Santana. He gave mostly hostile and evasive answers. Defensive defense attorney uh, Harvey Fishbane said, "Yeah, uh, but you knew he was going to do that." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and he moved from mistrial, saying the DA was aware that he'd be a shitty evasive witness and put him on the stand uh, to make it look as if the ju- to make it look to the jury like he was covering up. Mm-hmm. So that, that that that's an elaborate uh, thing for for Fishbane to figure let out. Let me actually let me explain though what what Fishbane is doing legally here. Mm-hmm. When you call a witness, you're limited in the sort of things you can ask and the type of questions you can ask. Mm-hmm. You can only ask open-ended questions. On this date, where were you? What did you do? Where did you go? Things Why did like you kill him? him? Right. Yeah, you're allowed to ask questions like that. Now, when you're Cross-examining a witness who's not your witness, when you're an adverse party to the witness, you can actually ask direct questions by saying, your brother was with you the whole night, wasn't he? Your brother went out, didn't he? Your brother confessed to you, didn't he? And you can only answer in yes or no fashion because those are technically yes or no questions. When a witness is treated as hostile, when your own witness is treated as a hostile witness, you're allowed then to ask leading questions as if you're cross-examining them, even though you're the one that put them on the stand. So... And you also have certain grounds that have to be interjected before a witness can be declared hostile. You can't just be declared hostile because they're not answering the way you want them to. Mm. You have to actually allege that they have a motive to be hostile to you. And so my guess is Fishbein is saying that this should have never been declared a hostile witness. Yes, that's what he he doesn't want that to happen. I uh, also Eaton's mother, Eton's mother. He made a powerful. She made a powerful and convincing appearance. Um, Jurors watched a three-hour confession video also where uh, Hernandez described his creepy involvement with the murderer. And uh, with the murder, rather. He says, I grabbed him by the neck. (laughs) I started choking him. And uh, and he said he couldn't stop. I was nervous. My my legs were jumping. 
That's the type of statement that makes me think he actually did it. It's such a good, such a detail. It's a lot of detail. It's this is a really compelling case. I mean, this is a really interesting one. I'm I'm very interested to see how it plays out because he's not Fishbein is not actually using the defense of he's not guilty by reason of insanity because that defense implies you actually did it. He's saying he's so insane he confessed to something he didn't do. Mm. And the guy actually strikes me as almost the poster child for a false confession. Really? He absolutely does. By the low uh, IQ? Well, low IQ is always the first thing you look at. Um, a history of false claims. I believe there was some talk about that. I actually watched a little of this trial recently because mm. uh, it's going on down there at Center Street. And I was there and I, I watched a little of it. And there was they were going on about a history of making false claims to things. In addition to somebody with a low IQ, they're incredibly suggestive to police interrogation tactics. The Lindbergh baby. I got the Lindbergh baby. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Jim. Because the thing about it is, is it's police interrogation techniques assume that you're trying to evade giving a real answer. So if you have somebody who's very willing to volunteer information and or somebody who's simply just wants to give somebody what they want or wants to confess to something because they're insane, mm -hmm. that's where you get your best false confessions. No, and, and then and, and also he, he has claimed many times over the years to have killed a kid. And he describes it, like, mostly similarly here. Yeah. I think there might have been a sexual abuse kind of thing. The problem is, Pat, that they're going to have with this defense Fishbein has is they don't actually have a body to compare what Hernandez says he did to, to Eton um, and that would verify or not verify. That's yeah. the huge problem in this It'll particular case for actually both sides more than people realize. But there's no body. Well, because, you know, I mean, one of the famous examples is there was that West Memphis 3 case that got all the white people agitated. Um, and what happened in that was the kids said, like, yeah, we tied the children up. We held them down. What did you tie them up with? We tied them up with shipping rope. And they had actually tied them up with shoelaces and things like that. You look for inconsistencies that, that, that don't really add up on somebody with low IQ. Um, you don't have that advantage if you're fish buying, and if you're the DA, you don't have the advantage of verifying what he said actually happened. Yeah, it really would help to have a body. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, and I'll say this. He says he, he tried to stop, but he couldn't. I tried to stop, but I couldn't. Apparently, strangling the life out of a child is a lot like when you're eating a can of Pringles. <laughs> yeah. Or any kind of stop. potato chip, really. Well, you know, Pringles really wants it, but they, their packaging is what makes them different. You know, a resealable can. Yeah. So they don't get stale once you open them, right? But hold on. But, you, but if I can't stop, what am I going to... I'm not going to have any right. left. Right. You can't have it both ways, Pringles. Next thing you know, you got a dead kid on your hands. <laughs> Eton's lost lunchbox has emerged as a focus in the trial, too. And they're trying to establish that the boy uh, returned to the bodega alone to retrieve it the day before he disappeared. I think they'll be able to do that from what I've read. Uh, the great thing about it is that there's two good suspects. Not only one, there's two. Right. There's two excellent suspects. That mm -hmm. makes it even more compelling. There's another guy who, just as much as Pedro Hernandez, seems like he did it. Yeah. He's already been convicted in, in a civil case on it. I don't even know if you thought that. Yeah, it's which like, is going to be really interesting if they convict Hernandez of it. Is he going to move to reopen that verdict? That's a good question. Pedro has confessed... And a friend of Eton's one-time babysitter, Jose Antonio Ramos. And when you use the middle name, he always sounds guilty. 1982, Ramos was accused by some boys of trying to lure them into a drain pipe mm -hmm. where he lived in the Bronx. He lived in a drain pipe in the Bronx. Guilty. 
This is the guy they were thinking of when they came up with the term stranger danger. <laughs> that doesn't get any more stranger or more dangerous than that. No, but Ramos... Luring boys into a drain pipe in the Bronx where you live. <laughs> Ramos um, is the one that uh, was actually, I believe, a babysitter or some kind. Friend of the babysitter. Friend yes. of the babysitter. He was a friend of, of his old babysitter. And when police searched the drain pipe where he lived... They found pictures of Ramos and boys who looked a lot like mm-hmm. Eton Pa. This one seems more. This one on the actual evidence outside the confession seems more compelling than Hernandez, mm-hmm. because it's more common with sexual abuse and things. It's it's often more. You don't see it much as as random a crime. It's usually relationships attempted to be developed, or it's it's the old it's the old silence of the lambs. Most often, you covet what you see every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you look for a contact between them prior, and there's really nothing with Hernandez other than like you know I guess the kid just wandered into the trap. But. Well, he does have he seems to have that sort of a relationship because he he knows he knew the kid's bus stop right yeah they, they, and he he knew uh, the whole he knew the whole route of the kid's bus yeah. It says, uh, he, it, by the way, he was guilty down in Pennsylvania on a separate child molesting mm-hmm. charge. This is Ramos with Ramos, about, not Hernandez. Hernandez is just he's in a church yeah. group. He's been confessing various, you know, for a while. But but uh, th- this is a assistant U.S. attorney Stuart A. Grabois or Grabois. He uh, asked Ramos about Pates, and Ramos told him that he had taken a boy. He admits that he took a boy back to his apartment yep. to rape him that day. He doesn't mention him by name, but he says, I took a boy back to my apartment to rape him that day. But then he said he put him on a subway. And uh, he's been the prime suspect all along. He remains unprosecuted. Unprosecuted. Criminally. Uh, Stanley and Julie Paz, they pursued a civil case against him. They won a symbolic $2 million settlement against the insolvent Ramos. He'll never pay. It's a good thing that he'll never pay, because if they actually managed to convict Hernandez, then they'd have to... (laughs) Mean Ramos. Oh, yeah. convicted. Oh, yeah, yeah right. Well, I don't. Th- I don't. They, they say that's the guy. They say he's the guy. Yeah, they're not convinced on Hernandez either. If no, I'm correct. No, right? they believe it was Ramos. They in their heart of hearts, and uh, in in fact, I kind of lean that way myself. Well, every year on uh, Eton Pod's birthday and on the anniversary of his disappearance, Stan, that's Eton's father, sends Ramos in prison one of his son's missing child posters every year. That's on his birthday and on the anniversary of disappearance. And and on the back, he types the same message each time. What did you do to my little boy? Be interesting if he replied to that. Yes. <laughs> Nothing, didn't I told do you, it. I put him on the subway. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, you know, uh, it's... <laughs> but you can solve these old cases sometimes. An NYPD cold case was solved. Detectives arrested a man in the killing of his son's mother, Michelle Page. He killed his son's mother. Whatever that means. 22 years ago, and now 46-year-old Jonathan Jolivert, uh, after connecting, uh, being connected to the crime with some DNA evidence, has been arrested. Got him. In Long Island City, the 108th precinct claims that they've kicked off a renewed effort to find the killers of a gay activist who was murdered on the street in Sunnyside in 2012. Uh, you know, that's uh, they, but they're doing it by uh, they they said that they're tweeting uh, sketches of the suspects. Well, there you go. Not quite as uh, scientific yeah, yeah. as the DNA. When in doubt, turn to Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> oh. And I mean, let's face it. When something's on Twitter, that's a huge deal. Not everything gets onto Twitter. Hey, yeah. Show me how you get some DNA evidence on yeah, Twitter. Yeah. You can't tweet that kind of shit. They're offering a twenty-two thousand dollar reward if you do anything about this murder. Call one eight hundred five seven seven tips. 
Jamaica, Queens, armed robbery, 111 wireless, 111 wireless, and more. Uh, that's the name of the store. 111. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, I'm really bad at this. I wonder if it's on 111th. 111th Wireless and more on Merrick Road. Actually, it's on Merrick. Yeah, but it could be at the 111 block of Merrick. It very well may be. Yeah. A robber showed a gun and demanded money, and the, cl- uh, the clerk handed him 780 bucks. And before the guy ran off, the robber, he showed the clerk his desk, ta- his chest tattoo. His desk tattoo. Does it say, yeah. <laughs> it's a tattoo of a desk. I keep it. <laughs> <laughs> the other guy is very passionate about his work. Uh, he's, uh, yeah, well, he, he said the word Islam. Oh, Islam. He, he begged the clerk not to call the police. He said, look, we're both Muslim. We need to support each other. I wonder how he knew that about the other guy. I mean, it's usually a safe bet, but sometimes it's Indian. It could be one of those Christian Arabs. Yeah, he, he seemed, uh, maybe the guy was praying to Allah or something. I don't it know. could very he well said be. That he, he, uh, he certainly knew. I, maybe he had a similar tattoo, just not on his chest. I don't know. <laughs> this is an easy one, though. Is it, did the robber have any tattoos or identifiable? identifiable? A giant Islam yeah. on his chest. Sure, yes, he was very clearly. Because yeah, there's one thing you should do when you're a robbery is give them something that makes you even more identifiable. Yes, I you agree. Give them some objective correlative like that to really tie their uh, tie their link to. What a dumb fuck. A former Bronx teacher on trial for allegedly raping a then 16-year-old student. His lawyer says he's the victim of a bitter ex-fiancé which makes the whole case victim-blaming against the accused. Right? Victim-blaming against the... I guess so, yeah. Yeah, that's what you have. Sorry, I had to work that one out for a second there. <laughs> you have to love attorneys. They'll do that to you. Yeah, yeah. They'll make you have to think. Yeah, yeah. Wait, victim-blaming against the accused... Well, I guess that was me that said that. Prosecutor said she was naked on top of him, uh, and her world, her whirlwind romance came to a screeching halt. Irk. When... Uh, when Bonkowski walked in, that's the, the, the ex-fiancé. There's actually Bonkowski. something to this, though. Something to what? Like it, it, what what uh, what Varghese, his lawyer, is saying. What do you mean? Well, I mean, it sounds like the fiancé did straight-up lie. Oh. It sounds like she even got convicted of it. Well, you see, she got convicted for lying to a grand jury, saying she couldn't remember what happened. Uh, right. She, she said, oh, I, I, I don't remember now, suddenly. I think she tried. that was when she was trying to protect him. That was the way I read that. Could that, very like, well be. She made the accusation, and then and then when it came time to the grand jury, she said she couldn't remember. So what you're saying is that maybe she lied initially and then didn't have the balls to lie to the grand jury. Well, my point and is... And then got you, convicted of not saying... You have her, her convicted of lying. You have her two separate stories, apparently under sworn testimony. Mm-hmm. Regardless, I mean, it's it's very compelling that she made something up, that she's the kind of person who lies regularly, and you have a well-documented history of that. Oh, I mean, you know, you get much more well-documented than convicted of perjury. Right. I mean, you know. However, uh, she did get her master's in criminal justice from John Jay College, and according to the Post, uh, she she's a, a brunette beauty. Yeah, I, I googled her. A, I would, a brunette so would say beauty. that's a generous definition of the term burn, uh, beauty. <laughs> and she's got crazy eyes. Oh well, there you go. You, know, you, you, know. that you get my vote on that. Yep. If if she's got crazy eyes, you can tell. It, and, and, well, she said she was already suspicious, and she decided to pay a surprise visit when she stormed in. Uh, she saw the sixteen-year-old student sitting on the couch, clutching a gray shirt to her naked chest. She said, "I freaked out. I spun around. I ran out the door." Now, here's another part, though, is that there are, so, there are also neighbors. In 2012, a source told the Post that I saw the girl climb out of the fire escape from his apartment and hide there. She waited until the fiancé was gone, then she came back in. But I guess that doesn't really prove sexual contact. No, does it, it doesn't. No. 
Uh, they called off the engagement shortly after uh, his alleged sexual contact. <laughs> Imagine <with the> that. <laughs> well, uh, you know, Jesus, you know, she's she's very upset. She doesn't get to be in the FBI now. Being guilty of perjury ruins her chances of that. That was her lifelong well, dream. Thank fucking God. Well, yeah, you're well, you're the one that had to go to the police. You're the one that had to lie. Now, whether whether he did this and you made up a story to protect him, or whether he didn't and you made up a story to convict him, you really shouldn't be an FBI agent. I agree. Well, uh, not only that, but his attorney has a great argument too. He says that uh, he he's a good guy based on the good nature he showed on The Price Is Right. No, 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 no. That is, I read this too, and I thought, how conceivably did this come up? They said, look at him. This came up, obviously, as a question asked by the Post. What do you think about him appearing on the on the um, Price is Right? And she said, well, he was very good-natured. Doesn't that speak to his character? Stop putting this defense forward in court. There's nothing that alleges she did. I read that article, and it literally said, she said that in response to a question. You can see it in her in the way that it's worded. It was, it was some post-journalism at its best. Let me explain to you. That's how journalism works. Uh, yeah, yeah. Don't I mean, say it, something if you don't want to stick by it. Oh, I think she does want to stick by, but it's the act, the idea of that she's putting this forward as a defense in court is laughable. Well, That's simply not true, and they have no evidence of that at all. So I agree. She should be disbarred. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Wish hey, I had this case. This would be a great case. Wouldn't it, though? This is a winner. Yeah. This is a bona fide winner. You think he's going to get out of it? Uh, the only reason I don't is because people's hysteria over this teacher's phenomenon right now, but the physical evidence is probably nothing. My guess is the reason they're trying to get the fiancé in so much is the girl's testimony is either conflicting, weak, or doesn't exist, meaning she doesn't want to go forward with it. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I mean, now even if this, this fiancé comes forward and testifies, you can't believe a word she fucking says. You tell him, Jim. Yeah. Hey, where can we find you online, by the way? Well, you can find me at Mazzy, M-A-Z-Z-E-I, Polk, P-O-L-K dot com. But where would, why would we want to find you? You want to find me if you've been uh, accused, arrested, think you might be arrested, mm -hmm. if you're in this country illegally, if you married somebody who doesn't have status and you want to bring them to this country legally, uh, if it's criminal, if it's immigration... Call me. If it's other things, I know an excellent attorney in that field. So you call know, me for any reason. And, and what's that cell number one more time? It's again? uh it's five one you want the cell. Very yeah. well. Five one six. Yes. Five eight seven nine seven eight six. Five one six five eight seven. 9786 517-9786 and I can attest that Jim is very committed he takes those cell phone calls nighttime arraignments and things like that all but many nights Jim and I will be laying there holding each other and the, <laughs> his cell phone rings and I'm like oh well uh, yep yep you know I'll put on some coffee and uh and we'll you know he'll he'll be off to take care of his job well, that's Mazzy and Poke making justice work for you forcing it to work for you at all cost and I do mean cost uh, yeah, we a, aren't free. No, it is not a free service offered by New York City Crime Report, nor is there any implied discount. Uh, however, when it comes down to going to Rikers Island and, and other people, you pay what it you just you shell out. I mean, yeah, it's, it's worth it. It's one of those phenomena. It's 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 there's really somebody who's no more important to you at that point than your attorney, and you want to pay to have the best. That's right. And, that's, and I'm not saying I'm the best because I can't officially say that, but you will do no wrong with us. That's right, Jim Polk. Never did anything wrong, Mazzy and Poke. He's he's won every case. You have a you have a you're undefeated in court, right? No, no, no. I have nearly undefeated. Tribe. I have an excellent record, but I am not <laughs> undefeated. Uh, 
and uh, now we have and and by the way, uh, we, we we have this as, as, as sort of as a, an end note. Thomas J. Grasso, he murdered an 81 year old guy in Staten Island, July 4th, 1991. Stole his social security check. The detectives arrested him, and two weeks later, Grasso confessed, and he confessed to another murder that he'd done in Oklahoma. This is just six months prior. He strangled an 87-year-old woman there with her own Christmas lights, stealing $8 from her purse and $4 loose change and a TV. Uh, the New York legislature at the time had passed legislation which, which would have restored the death penalty, but Governors Hugh Carey and Mario Cuomo vetoed it on the grounds they were morally opposed to it. Yes, they were. I am morally opposed to it, so therefore, that's the deal. Uh, so Grasso pleaded guilty. He was sentenced to 20 years to life in 1992. However, on January 11th, 1995, new governor George Pataki made good on a campaign promise, and Grasso was sent back to Oklahoma. He spent his last days on death row in a 14-foot by 18-foot cell, and it didn't last long. Just two months later, he was killed by lethal injection. I guess they're not called the Sooner State for nothing. Yeah, that was, that's a pretty rapid execution. <laughs> Referring to a substitution made on his long list of items for his last meal, he had these for his last words. I did not get my SpaghettiOs. I got spaghetti. I want the press to know this. We appreciate you <laughs> being fans of the show and listen at every opportunity. I want you to convert somebody this week. Maybe that'll be your project. There you go. Yeah. Find someone who wants to listen to the show because we need listeners. We need you guys, of course. I need Should you. Also... I need you. Yes, you. I mean it. You're the one. Uh, and and if, you've, if you know somebody who might enjoy the show, thank you very much. And I want to say thanks to those who are supporting us in various ways. Patreon and everything. Come to see my website, PatDixonNYC. And let me and let yes. me jump in here. You should you should support Patreon because uh, I've met a lot of Crime Report fans since I've been doing this and our live shows and things like that. Yes. And they're they're very uh, they're very very uh, devoted fans and they look forward to every episode. And Pat doesn't get any money from this outside of what you give him. Poverty. Is That's what and this so is. and so to keep <laughs> this going, you should you should donate. If I you really enjoy it, it if you listen you. every week, it's one of the best podcasts I've ever listened to, even when I'm not on it. I appreciate that. And you should do it. And 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 uh, you know, and Jim, you know what? It sounds a little like a telethon, but I'll take it. And if it doesn't give him money, he'll kill again. <laughs> I want you to know, you can, you always see me killing on Mondays. Uh, you were there at the show. <laughs> I was tonight. I was at a good time there. That was that was awesome. Uh, we had a great time on Monday. It was, it was a rather long show, and uh, and and everybody everybody had fun. It was it was uh, it was nice, long, and great. You can come for free. You listen to New York City Crime Report. All you gotta do is write me for tickets. Write me for tickets at patdexonnyc at gmail.com. I'm giving you a lot of instructions. It doesn't matter what's listening. Anyway. I'm actually going to give you another one, too. I, I'd, I'd like to know if anybody actually wants to see me appear at some of these live appearances. I got well, nothing for, last time. For the love time. of God, somebody validate Jim. <laughs> Honestly, <tell> <laughs> please do. I, I, expected, I expected the loons, at least, to come through on that one. <laughs> well, I didn't introduce you from the stage. I think that's what I was. Yeah, that and, could and, very and, well be. And so they, they didn't get the opportunity to carry you out of the room on their shoulders like they would have liked. And there were a few people hanging around after the show, too. They were like, what happened to Jim? Oh. So, like, you didn't hang around for the whole deal. You know, Jim. Jim's the cutout early kind of guy. He's got court in the morning. That's what you don't want your attorney out all hours of the night. Jim Polk, and uh, and you can also see Desperation tonight. You can see, hey, if you're in New York City, come to last Tuesday, this coming Tuesday. That is the 24th of February. Information on all my shows, patdixonnyc.com. You know, some people do these things. They get it all out in, like, two sentences. I'm just going to keep going over it and over it. 
making sure that it's like, you know, when you wipe something down, you wipe a surface down, you want to make sure you get every, then you look and see if you covered it all. You know polyester Taurus. You you do it the right way. I do. I clean, and if you got time to lean, you got time to to do that. I hope you guys, I hope that you personally will uh, have an opportunity to to see me live here in New York City. Next time you come here, it's very easy to do. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to New York City Crime Report. Is it over?